Okay, good morning, Gateway. It is a beautiful, feels like a spring morning out there in the middle of winter, but what a beautiful day God has given us to gather together to worship the Lord this morning and to sing his praises. I'm excited that we get the opportunity for corporate worship this morning, being the believers and the people of God together, joining together to worship and praise him. Now, several announcements this morning, two about things happening today. First of all, there's a baby shower today for Miss Patsy Hood as their baby Hella Mae arrives very soon. We're so excited for Alex and for Patsy in this. And so for ladies, there's a chance to celebrate with her this afternoon at 2.30 at the home of Nikki and CJ Falcioni. And so they live in Arrowhead and they have an easy address to remember there at 316 Arrowhead Drive. Just remember John 316, 316 Arrowhead Drive. It's like the perfect pastor's address, all right? And so you can find it there. 2.30 this afternoon, a shower to honor Patsy as their little baby girl is getting ready to come soon. Also this afternoon at 4 o'clock today is the Gateway Forum. This is an apologetics session to help you grow and be able to defend the faith. But also if you have questions about the faith yourself that you want a chance to dig in on this. And so Cameron Ross is going to be talking in about the problem of evil. There are a lot of great questions, a lot of good content two weeks ago. So this is part two of that. But even if you missed two weeks ago, you're welcome to come anyway as we dig in on the problem of evil and how can a good God allow evil in the world. Now for our members, something next Sunday, not today, but a week from Sunday is our annual member meeting. We do this just once a year, an annual business meeting where we look at the financial reports, where we talk about what's happened at Gateway this year, where we hear from all the ministry leaders. We just celebrate what God has done and look at where he is leading us. So that is next Sunday at 5 p.m. here in the sanctuary. One of the big things in that meeting is, is, is talking about and approving our proposed budget for 2022. And so you should have received that members via email. If you've not, there's copies on the table in the back and out here on the table headed out by the restrooms, out by the office doors. You can pick up a copy today. If you have questions, just let us know this week and we'll talk about that next Sunday. Now, Christmas is almost here. We're already well into December now, and so there's a lot of opportunities for fellowship together as the body of Christ. Now, several of these coming up. One is this Wednesday. So I hope you'll all come. This is not just for the kids, this is for the whole church. We're having we call it a service project in a movie night. We're doing two things in the service project. We're first preparing goodie baskets to take to some fire stations in town to bless some first responders. But then we're going to make Christmas cards, homemade Christmas cards for kids in an orphanage in Kenya. And after we get all that done, we're going to watch a Charlie Brown Christmas while we eat popcorn and drink hot chocolate on a big inflatable screen in the gym. So again, it's not just for kids, it's for all of you. So come, please join together as we do the service project and get to watch a Christmas cartoon together. Now for the ladies, a week from Monday, December 13th is a ladies Christmas painting night. Now there's no cost to do this, but you'll have two different big 11 by 17 canvases to choose from. You get to paint a Christmas painting. It doesn't matter if you have experience or not. If you're a beginner, you can still come anyway and see how it turns out. You will have coaching and direction. If you're an expert painter, come enjoy it anyway. But Mandy Moody's going to be leading you through this and there'll be desserts and time to get in coffee and time together. We do need you to register ahead of time. You can find that at gatewaybaptist.com. Now, I know the kids are excited about this, but a week from Wednesday is our Gingerbread House Fellowship. But again, not just for the kids, it's for the whole church. We come, we have pre-assembled gingerbread houses, you get to decorate those, we listen to Christmas music. It's just a a chance for the whole church to come together and enjoy the Christmas season. So get your friends together, come yourself, we'd love for you to come join us for that fun evening of decorating gingerbread houses. Then finally, Christmas Eve, Carol's Communion and Candlelight here, December 24th, 5 p.m. in the sanctuary. Just a 45-minute family-friendly service where we sing Christmas carols together and celebrate communion together. Well, now this morning as we continue our Advent themes, we last week we saw hope. Now we're going to carry on with the theme of peace today. And so the Jong family is going to come up and light our Advent candle, do our Advent reading for the day. Shin and Alicia are longtime Gateway members. Shin is one of our deacons, and they're just super involved in the life of the church. And they're going to come light our quickly shrinking candles 
this morning. I'm going to read Luke chapter 2, verse 9 through 14 in English and Korean as well. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with the great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I'll bring you a good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of the David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in the swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Horioni Hodan Changuni Ku stand with us as we get ready to sing this morning.
family of celebrating a baptism together this morning. And so as Angel is coming into the tank with her friend Scott, I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 28. And I know boys and girls, you like to be able to see. So if you want to come to the front and sit down here, boys and girls, you're welcome like you do for a lot of baptisms. I know it's easier to see what's happening if you want to come down here. Now, while they all get situated out there, I want you to hear the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That Christ has given us the mission of making disciples of all nations. And we get the joy of showing that publicly to others who are followers of Christ through believers' baptism. And so what we have here this morning is a chance to celebrate God's grace in a sister's life and to affirm what we see God doing in her life and for her to confess publicly that she is a follower of Christ. So this is Angel Hill. And so Angel's going to begin by telling us just a quick version of her story of God's grace at work in her life. But yeah, so my mom has just been such a staple, like Christ, we go to church, the only consistent thing. But of course I'm a kid, so I don't really like know why we're going to church. Nothing in me desired God or desired Christ. I got baptized when I was younger for no reason, I think. Sorry, Mom. And there was no change. I just, we just got baptized. And so um, in eighth grade, I just wanted God. That was it. It was like going into my high school and... Um, I just, there was nothing in me. I went to church, led worship, went in there. I didn't even want to do that. And then something just, like the Lord just, he just changed me there. And I've been walking with God ever since. And Scott, actually, I talked to him about baptism when I was in college. And um, I didn't really know, like, what it was, for real. Like, I just thought that people just got dunked in water. (laughs) And that was it. But I know that it's an outward sign of an inward change. And I want to take that step, join Gateway, be baptized. And I've been walking with Christ ever since. Amen. 
And those of us who know you see God's grace all at work in your life and see the joy of the Lord in you. And so we just want to rejoice in that and say amen to all that you shared. So we want to do what we normally do and give you guys a chance to say a few words of encouragement to Angel. So are any of you prepared and would like to say a word of encouragement to her as she's being baptized? We got to see a hand right back here. So you stand up and tell everybody who you are, okay? I'm Ashley. I'm in the young adult group, so that's how I know Angel. Um, I just want to say what a sweet daughter of God and precious sister in Christ you are to all of us. Remember Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You are such a wonderful example of speaking the truth in love. And then also creating unity in the body through love too and building it up. I'm so glad that you've chosen Gateway um, to build up and I can't wait to also let Gateway build you up. That's a great word of encouragement. I'm going to do my best. Um, I'm Angel's aunt, and I've just seen her walk with the Lord all the time. What you see is what you get. Um, she glorifies God with everything. And um, I just a little funny tidbit is I told her I was going to get her cake, you know, for today. So she said, could you put uh, glory to God on the cake? So that just shows her heart and who she is, and she's just grown up to be a, a nice young lady, and I'm just waiting to see what God has in store for her. Thanks for sharing. I guess he Mandy back here. I can't actually see your face. So this morning I was reading in the Psalms, and it said, Come, let us shout joyful to the Lord. Shout triumphantly to the rock of our salvation. And you just exude joy all the time. Like even when you're upset about something or you're down, like you're always like, but here's the good. Here's what Jesus has for me in this. In that perspective, as you walk and grow, like if you can be grounded in this might not be awesome, but Jesus is, it's always going to bring you back to him. And I'm just so thankful that you're in our family's life. You love these little people that I have, and she wanted to say something, too. Angel, you are a really great friend. Thank you. She loves you, and so do we. <laughs> Thanks, Mandy. Thanks, Leela. Anyone else want to share a word of encouragement to Angel? Oh, I see you back over here. Hey, I'm Rachel, and I'm also in the young adult groups. So that's how I know Angel. And I wanted to share my favorite verse with you, and it's Proverbs 16:3. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. And just like Ashley, um, I was going to say you speak the truth mostly in love, sometimes with a bit of sarcasm, but it's still great. Um, but you're just crafted uniquely to fit into our group. You bring a whole different energy, I think everyone would say, than any of us do, and just a joy, like Mandy said, that, I mean, a lot of us just don't have that bright of a joy inside of us. And it's been really, really great getting to hear your story over these weeks that we've known you and getting to um, just enjoy what God is doing in your life. But I can, I just encourage you to continue 
to commit your plans to the Lord and just see what he's going to do with your future because I know that he's going to do a mighty work in you to reach others. Amen. Great word there. Anyone else? Yep, I see Mr. Sonny in the back. <laughs> Brother Sonny. Angel. The first time we met was at Pastor Grady's membership class. Mm -hmm. That's where I got to know you. And then after that, I met you here frequently. And I'm so thankful to know that you embrace all of us over 35. <laughs> That's an inside joke. It's wonderful. And what is so beautiful about it, it from Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, and the last part of that is that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And certainly we can see the joy that you possess, and we know where it comes from. To God be the glory, and thank you. Amen. Thanks, Sonny. To God be the glory. Okay. Well, baptizing her today is Scott Rumbelow from Troy. So Scott was very instrumental in Angel's life and pointing her to Christ and discipling her. And so Scott and his wife is down here, and they just they became good friends with Angel. And so he is here to say the final word of encouragement to Angel and then to baptize her. Absolutely. Angel, it has been an absolute pleasure being a part of your life. Uh, you know that uh, both Christina and I have loved taking you into our home and having you part of Troy, a part of the college group. Uh, you've been an integral part of even the college of you know, keeping people together and unifying people and watching you grow. So um, watching you, how much you've grown in just the time that I've known you is amazing. And so I can proudly call you a sister in Christ and watch you become a defender of the faith. All right, so <clears throat> if we can come here. All right, so now publicly, Angel, do you profess faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Yes. Amen. <laughs> All right. Then it is my pleasure to baptize you now in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Rejoice now. Boys and girls, we will return to your parents. Uh, William Fox, one of our elders, is going to be coming up to lead us in our intercessory prayer time. So return to seat with your parents, and after the prayer, boys and girls will be dismissed. Let's, let's pray. We'll start with Psalm 96. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Uh, we, we read these, we have sung these words, and we will speak about just uh, how we might do this and that you would animate, you would you would work through us to do this and the people around us. But we start with who you are, and you are great and mighty God, and you are worthy of all the praise that we have offered and all that we will offer throughout this day. You're worthy of the praise that we, we, we don't speak, that the, 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 the trees shout with joy at the end of these psalms, and the, and the creation speaks of your glory and, and praise 
And we pray that we join with those in, in, with glad and full hearts to, to lift your name high. But we come before you as people that have not loved you with all of our strength. We've not loved you with all of our hearts. We've not loved you with all of our souls. We've not loved you with all of our minds. And we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. And we just pray that you would forgive us, that you would uh, reach in our hearts and, and soften them to be attentive to our neighbors, that we would, you would soften them to be attentive to your spirit that is speaking to us, and that we would be obedient when you uh, tell us to, to do something. We thank you that, uh, that you are able and willing and desirous to do that. We, we sing of it is well with our soul. It's well with our soul because of your loving kindness and your grace for us. That's the reason that it can be well with us because there's nothing in us that is worthy of that. It's because of you have chosen us and you have worked in us and it is out of the goodness of you that that, that is possible. And we, and we just praise you and thank you for that. We look to uh, an opportunity to be, as we listen to your word, but to be your hands and feet and your voice uh, among the people that we are around as we go into Christmas. We pray that you will use us in a mighty way, in, in many ways, in people's lives, uh, to speak truth to them, to encourage those that need encouragement, to, to speak truth to those that need truth, uh, which all of us do, to a reminder of what this season is about and what this meant for us and made possible for us. We pray for those that are, that are uh, reaching out to people in, in uh, very practical ways with shepherd staff with the Dixons and, and the work that they're doing among those young people. And the work that's being done through the NBA's Love Loud Food Bus and uh, that uh, ministry and reaching out to the poor the people who do not have the same blessings that so many of us do as we reflect on that. We thank you for their work, and, and we just pray that you'll give them a wisdom and a, and, and a spirit, a rich spirit of, of love for the people that they are working with. We lift up to you uh, a new church at Southside Gospel Fellowship that is being um, beginning and pastor cameron bell that's associated with that we just pray for your work in there your you to have your hand on that body and the people that you would bring there to be a part of that of that church congregation and uh, thank you that you're working there and we just pray uh, that uh, he and the other individuals involved in that church will just be full of love for the people that 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 surround that area and, and that they're ministering to over in, in France, we lift up to you Ayub, uh, an African uh, man that is there in the city of uh, Mosaic City. And uh, he, is, he is not a believer, but he is, he is uh, listening. And we just pray for your hand, uh, your voice, your spirit to work in his heart and bring him to yourself. And many like him that are studying abroad in places where they may not have had the uh, from countries where they may not have had opportunity or, uh, or interest or a church that's active in their area. Bring people to yourself in, in, these, in these desperate and uh, in, in disparate places. We pray for the offering that uh, has been collected online that may be given here in, in the church. And we just pray that you multiply those finances and use them for the expansion of your kingdom, that your hands and feet can go further 
uh, through those and, and pray for our hearts to be proper and that we are rendering to you what is, what is due to you. We pray for Grady as he opens up the word to us today that you will speak to us individually, that your, your spirit uh, in, in, in us will, will hear what is said and uh, be motivated to, to act and change as a consequence. And we lift these up, uh, these prayers up, and, and thank you for your work and thank you for your continued work. And we look forward to ways in which we can participate in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, boys and girls in first to fourth grade, you are dismissed to kids' worship through those double doors to first to fourth graders' kids' worship with Rick today. Everybody, once you find Luke chapter 1 in your copy of God's Word, Luke chapter 1 this morning. We're continuing our focus on Advent, as you saw already with the lighting of the candle this morning. I just want to remind you what Advent is. Advent is a Latin word that simply means coming. It's a season where we focus on the coming of Christ. We're celebrating Advent for two reasons. One, because we need to rediscover the wonder of what we're celebrating. It is all too easy for us, with the familiarity of the Christmas story and all the traditions and the things we do, to miss the wonder of what we're really celebrating, Emmanuel, God with us. So, so, so as we do Advent, it helps us refocus on what this season is all about and rediscover all and wonder. But the second reason we celebrate Advent is to remind ourselves that only in Christ can we find our deepest needs satisfied. Only in Christ can we find our deepest needs satisfied. Our longings for things like hope and peace and joy and love, these four things of Advent, we only find them in Christ and in Christ alone. Now, last week we began with a theme of hope. The hope we find that Jesus has come to be with us, to pitch his tent among us, to tabernacle with us. And the hope that we see in knowing that he's walked this road and how he gives us grace upon grace. Today we come to our second theme, and that is the longings for peace. Now, I've already been thinking about peace in the service. Shin read for us about peace and he's, as, he wrote, as he lit the candle. And then we sang about it in the song we just sang, It Is Well With My Soul. It was a song all about having peace regardless of our circumstances. Think about what we just sang. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Now, we, we resonated that. We, we, that's, that the sound of that song just boomed out through this room of us singing, it is well with my soul, whatever my lot you has taught me to say. But the question for us this Christmas season is, do we mean what we just sang? Do we really mean that our soul is at peace, that it is well with us regardless of what is happening around us? And so the question for us this morning is very simple. Have you had peace this week? A peace not dependent upon your circumstances. Do you have peace even when life is hard? Friends, do you have peace today? Now before we jump into our text, we need to talk about what do we mean by peace? What what do we mean in the definition of this word? Because when we talk about peace in our culture, we often see peace as nothing more than the absence of conflict. We talk about peace, we're going, okay, no one's fighting, so there's peace. But because we look at Scripture, peace is used in a much richer, fuller sense than that. Because peace in Scripture is a peace that's not dependent on our circumstances. It's possible even when life is hard. We see peace in Scripture, it goes all the way back to the Old Testament concept of shalom, of wholeness, of completeness, because we have the blessings of God. And so when we talk about peace in Scripture, we're talking about peace being a state within us where we are stable, where we are steadfast, where we are blessed. Regardless of what's happening around us, peace is when is within us, when we're stable, when we're steadfast, when we're still blessed, regardless of what is happening around us. Friends, we've seen over and over in our different studies we've done over the years here at Gateway that God never promises life will be easy. In fact, he, the scripture promises that we will have trials, that we will have hardships, that we will have sufferings. So how do we have peace if it cannot be in our circumstances? How do we have peace when sorrows like sea billows roll? 
And so once again, we find the answer in our Christmas story in Luke's account and what we celebrate during this Advent season. So we're going to be looking this morning at Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 33. And I think my microphone is what's making this clicking noise. Sorry, guys. It's me. Jason, can you meet me for a second up there? Try. Okay. Let's see if that works now. So that'll keep us awake today, right? If that doesn't keep us awake, the shrinking candle will. So we keep looking at how close it gets to the wreath, right? <laughs> yes, I have noticed that if you haven't been watching that one also. <laughs> but how, how can we have peace, friends, regardless of our circumstance? Let's look at Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 33. Can I ask you to stand, please, in honor of the reading of the Word of God? Luke chapter 1, verse 26. I'm reading out the English Standard Version. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Would you pray with me? Father, we are grateful for your word. Lord, for many of us as we read again this morning an account that we're so familiar with, Lord, would you help us stop and think about this text, dig in on this text, and I pray your Holy Spirit would give us fresh eyes to see the wonder of what we're studying this morning and use that to establish within us your grace gift of peace to us, a peace not dependent on our circumstances, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. So what enables us to have peace regardless of our circumstances? Now, before we answer that question from our text, let's dig in to make sure we understand what we're doing. Chris is coming here to fix me up. Try a different way this morning. Okay. See if that's any better today. This may be God's sanctification for me to stand still this morning, right? So what are we looking at in Luke's account? Let's go all the way back to why Luke wrote this book for us. We're in a gospel, a record of the life of Christ. And when Luke wrote this, he wrote with a very specific purpose in mind. And that's Luke chapter 1. Look back at verses 3 and 4 of why Luke wrote this. He said it. Y'all meet me in the handheld today. Let's try that. Okay. So why did Luke... this account so that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. Luke wrote this book to a guy named Theophilus and to you and me reading it today so that we could have certainty. Now this word certainty is really important because there's two ideas in the word certainty. The word certainty means an undoubted truth. It's a truth that you know that you know that you know is true, right? But there's a second meaning in the Greek of the word certainty and that's this word carries the idea of stability, that you have stability because you know something. And perhaps we could take the Advent word at peace for this. You can have peace, stability in life, because you know that you know that you know 
that something is true. You see, Luke wrote this gospel so that we could have peace, we could have steadfastness because of the truths that we know. And so what he does is he takes 24 chapters to show us the life of Christ so that we know that we know that we know this truth that will radically change our lives, that will radically anchor us in something that will give us peace. Which, by the way, if you want a good challenge to do during this month of December, is to take the gospel of Luke, it's 24 chapters, and if you, ha- if you start today, read one chapter a day, by the time you get to the end of the year, you'll have read the entire gospel of Luke and have thought about the life of Christ. Now, if you want to carry on this tradition, next year you start on December 1, and then on Christmas Eve you finish the gospel of Luke, and over the course of the month you get an opportunity to see not just the familiar Christmas story, but the entire life of Christ and what he came to do. So if you don't have a good Advent reading plan, church family, if you're not in a good pattern as a family of Scripture reading, can I challenge you this Christmas, starting tonight, read one chapter of Luke, and each day read one chapter of Luke together to see... What, who Christ is so that we can know with certainty, we can be stable because we know that we know that we know these truths that he is laying out for us. But back to our text this morning. In Luke chapter 1, where we're picking up this morning, we're learning about the coming of Christ. And so our focus is on what the angel tells Mary. So let's look at our setting for today's text. Go back to verses 26 and 27. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. So we have a situation here where there's a young Jewish girl and an angel appears to her. Now this angel Gabriel appears three places in scripture. In the Old Testament he appears to Daniel and, and brings words from the Lord to Daniel. He appears here earlier in Luke chapter 1 to Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, about the coming of John the Baptist. Now he appears to this young Jewish girl named Mary. And Gabriel here has a very specific mission from God because he's telling Mary what God is about to do. You see, God wants the world not just to see what's happening, he wants the world to understand what is happening. So he brings this revelation of what is happening. And in so doing, he tells Mary five things about the coming of Jesus, five things about this baby that's going to be within her. And in these five truths that Gabriel reveals, there's so much in here that can give us peace regardless of our circumstances. So let's dig in this morning and look at these five truths that Gabriel tells to Mary. Number one, he first of all tells Mary what his name is, and that is Jesus. So he tells Mary the baby's name, and it's going to be Jesus. Go back to verse number 31 for us this morning. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Jesus. Now, when you look at the name Jesus, realize there's so much more in this than just a name. Because the name Jesus also communicates his mission and his purpose for coming. You see, the name Jesus is the Greek translation of the Old Testament name Joshua. Jesus and Joshua mean the same thing. They both mean Yahweh is salvation. They both mean the Lord saves. So when the angel tells Mary, you're going to name him Jesus, saying, you shall name him Yahweh is salvation. You shall name him that Jesus saves, that God saves. And that's exactly what scripture tells us that Jesus came to do. When an angel appeared to Joseph, now we're not told what angel it was, but when an angel appeared to Joseph and explained more about what was happening, he told something similar. Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. I want you to see this one as well. And hey guys, can y'all turn those lights down so I can see everybody a little better? Thanks. It's nice to be able to see faces when those dim down a little bit. She will, uh, thank you. She will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus Here's why. Here's why he's to be called Jesus, the Lord saves, because he will save his people from their sins. In fact, that's what Paul tells us much later, what Christ came to do. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, we see this as well. In 1 Timothy 1, we say, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ came in the world to do what? Save. To do what? 
to save sinners. That's us, friends. He came to save sinners. That's what William prayed earlier for us, that none of us love God like we should. None of us love our neighbor as we should. And so Christ came on a mission to save sinners. Jesus, which means the Lord saves, came to save and to rescue people. That's the first thing that Gabriel tells to Mary. Well, what's the second thing he tells her? Look down in verse 32 of our text today, back in Luke chapter 1, verse 32. The second thing we learn is he will be great. He will be great. Now, what does this mean? Now, when you see the word great here, this is being used as an adjective, not a noun. So this is not another name for Jesus here. This is now an adjective, a description of his being, of his nature. That what Gabriel is saying is everything about Jesus is going to be great. Now, this is not for today, but sometimes if you want something fun to do, go back and look at what Gabriel tells Zechariah about John the Baptist and then compare what he says about, to Mary about Jesus here because there's some similarities, but there's some key differences. And when he describes John the Baptist in the verses before, he says that he will be great in the sight of the Lord. It's a qualified greatness. And so when it comes here to Jesus, notice it just simply says he will be great. There's no qualification. In other words, there's an intentional contrast in the angel's revelation that when he describes Christ, he is great in every way possible. He's great in his wisdom, that he always knows the best things to do. He is great in his knowledge, that he knows everything that has happened, that is happening, that will happen or could happen. He's great in his power. He speaks and the universe comes into being. He's great in anything he wants to do. He's great in his works. He's great in his justice. He's great in his mercy. He's great in his majesty. He's great in his glory, that everything about him is Great. One of the authors I read this week said it so well. He said, So great is God's greatness that he alone deserves to be called great. I just thought that was good. That he, so great is God's greatness that he alone deserves to be called great. So, what Gabriel tells to Mary is that the, the one that we now celebrate this Advent season is Jesus, the one who came to save, that he is great in all things. There's a third thing that we're told as well, and this is why he's great in all things, is back to verse 32. He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. He is great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. Now, what does that mean? It basically just means that he is God. We see this, that he will be called. That's just a Greek expression that means he will be. It means the same thing, that he will be God. He will be the Son of the Most High God. We see Son of the Most High That's just simply an expression from the scriptures to describe God himself, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus eternally, the triune God, the Son. Gabriel is making sure that Mary understands that Jesus himself is God. Now, friends, that is absolutely profound, and there's so many implications of that. Because if this baby within her is truly God, and he is great in all things, that means he can do whatever he wants, and no one can stop him. If he truly is God and he is great in all things and he is Jesus, the one who's come on a mission to rescue people, then nothing can stop him. He is in control of all things. Now, we get a glimpse of this later in Luke, in Luke chapter 8, verse 27. You see this exact same expression in this encounter when Jesus meets a man possessed by demons. You see what happens? Jesus has stepped out onto land. There met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time, this man had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. So you have a man possessed by demons. And what happens when this demon encounters Jesus? Verse 28, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus? Here is that expression, Son of the Most High God. I beg you, do not torment me. I want that sink in here. Here you have demons 
who have seen God in all of his glory, because remember, they're fallen angels. They have seen God in all of his glory since the time he made them. He understands the greatness of Jesus. He understands Jesus is God, but he refuses to submit and believe himself. He's a demon who's rejected God, but he knows the power of God himself, of Jesus. And so when he says and he recognizes Jesus, you're the son of the most high God, notice what follows. I beg you, do not torment me. This demon who does not believe gets the fact that Jesus is God and nothing can stop him. And so the demon doesn't try to fight Jesus here. The demon knows he's beat because Jesus is God and Jesus can do whatever he wants to do. And the big word we use for this is he's sovereign over all things. Jesus can do whatever he wants to do. So in these first few expressions here, if we go back to verse 32, we see that this one that we celebrate Advent is Jesus. He came to rescue people. He's great in all senses of the word because he is eternally God. He is sovereign. He can do whatever he wants to do. But there's a fourth statement about him here that the angel tells, that Gabriel tells Mary. Here's the fourth thing we learn about Jesus. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. The Lord will give to him the throne of his father, David. Now, what in the world does that mean? Now, this goes all the way back to the Old Testament to something in 2 Samuel chapter 7. So 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12, you have what's called the Davidic covenant. The Davidic, a covenant this promise to King David, this beloved king of Israel who wrote much of the Psalms that we still read and celebrate today, this promise to King David. Now, we need a whole sermon about the Davidic covenant, but for now, let's look at what it says to him here. In 2 Samuel seven twelve. when your days are fulfilled and you lay down with your fathers, this is speaking to David, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. So in the Davidic covenant, there's some promises about the kings to come after David, but ultimately there's the promise of the Messiah, that God promised to King David that the Messiah, the anointed one, the one who would rescue people from their sins, would come from David's line. And you see that right here in a few verses later in 2 Samuel verse 7, verse 16, and you see how this is only God himself could fulfill this. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure, notice this next word, forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. So God promises to David an eternal, everlasting throne that will come after him. He's promising that the Messiah would come from David's line. Now, the Jews throughout history have understood this text in 2 Samuel to be a prophecy about the Messiah. That means, friends, Mary, being a Jewish girl, would have grown up hearing 2 Samuel 7 read in the synagogues. She would have heard her people, her relatives, when they got together talking about the longings of the Messiah in 2 Samuel 7. And now an angel appears before her and quotes this text that she would have heard her whole life and says, guess what, the baby within you, yeah, he's the one who was promised about in this text you've heard your whole life. Go back to verse 32 this morning and see how this ties in. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. Gabriel's helping Mary and us realize that Jesus is the promised Messiah, the one true king who is sovereign over all things, who will rule the world forever. And in fact, when you go to the very end of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, verse 16, you're in the last paragraph or the last um, chapter in the entire Bible. You have Jesus speaking here. Notice how Jesus refers to himself in some of the last words of Jesus in Scripture. He says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of of David. And so some of the last words in Revelation from Jesus, he refers back into this Davidic covenant and how he is the promised king, the promised Messiah who will reign forever. And that leads to the last thing, the fifth thing that is reinforced here for Mary that we learn about Jesus. Go back to verse 33 this morning and notice what the angel tells to Mary about this, about Jesus and his kingdom. He says, and he will reign over the house of Jacob. How long? Forever. forever. And of his kingdom, there'll be what? 
no end. This is eternity in view here, that Jesus is always going to be the reigning king, that he will reign forever and ever and ever. So friends, a million years from now, who's going to be on the throne reigning? Okay, who is on the throne reigning right now? Okay, and who's on the throne reigning over your life right now? See, easy answers to questions, right? But this is an important truth for us. We think about Advent and the desire for peace, that Jesus is the eternal king. He always has been, he is right now, and he always will be. Nothing can take him off his throne. One of the authors I was reading this week said it this way, he will reign forever and ever and ever. He is now untouchable. Absolutely nothing can threaten his rule. Death is behind him in an unending future of glory and peace and joy with all his people stretches out before him. Nothing can touch him. He is a sovereign ruler over all things. So Gabriel tells Mary five things. The baby's name is Jesus, which tells us his mission he came to save, that he is great in all things, great in his power, great in his wisdom, great in everything about him, that he is God himself. He's a sovereign ruler. He's the promised Messiah, the king over all things, and he will be the king forever and ever and ever and ever, and he's the king now. Now, what difference do those five truths make? How does that help you and I find peace now during this Christmas season or forever? Well, one thing before we jump in that I want to make sure we see is these five promises, these five truths, realize there's nothing in those five promises that life will be easy. God never promises he's going to get us from birth to death in the safest, happiest, easiest, most comfortable, wealthiest way possible. That certainly was not the case for Mary, was it? Look at what God describes her. Go back to verse 30 of our text today, Luke chapter 1, verse 30. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now, this word favor is the same root word where we get the word grace from in Scripture. You have found grace from God. You have been graced by God. A few verses earlier, she's described as, oh, favored one, oh, graced one, that Mary has been, had God's grace poured out on her. The love of God has been put on her. God's choice has been put on her. God's favor is upon her. God's grace has been put on her. But lest we think God's grace makes life easy, what does God's grace get Mary? Think about it. She is now misunderstood because she's now pregnant outside of wedlock and shunned by some people on that. She now has to travel while she's pregnant, traveling on a donkey to another town. She now goes to the other town and she can't find a room to stay in. She has to have her baby with animals around. You know, she had to go through childbirth. That's not exactly a fun grace gift from the Lord at that moment. You know, we hear the sing the song Silent Night, but I'm not sure so how silent the night was, right? There was no epidurals back then. Childbirth is not a fun process there. She had to endure childbirth because of the grace of God. After having her baby, a wicked leader wanted to kill her son. So she had to flee from her country and her family and her friends and all the support around her to another country to keep her baby safe. She's able to finally return and she watches her baby grow up and become a man. And then she watches him claim to be God. And we even see in scripture where Jesus' siblings think he's crazy. So she watches her own children not believe that her son really is the Messiah. Her husband, Joseph, somehow dies during this. So by the time Jesus goes to the cross, she's already widowed. That's why from the cross, Jesus has to say to John, take care of my mother. Because she's already widowed at that point, has no one to care for her. And as a widow, watches her son be crucified in front of her. That is the path of grace that God called her to walk down. Think about that. I came across this quote this week. This author said, Grace does not always come with a welcome face. The highest and most precious gifts of God do not always come to us in attractive colors. Grace can perplex. Grace can frighten. 
and that God's grace, his favor was upon Mary. She had found favor with God. He had poured out his grace upon her, and yet she had to walk through that hard road of those things I was just mentioning. So how then does Mary find peace? How then can you and I find peace when we also walk down hard roads in this life? And it is, going back to Luke 1, is knowing with certainty It is having the stability that we know who God is. Let's bring all that together this morning. How do we have peace? Here's our answer to the question this morning. Our main idea is we can have peace knowing that Jesus always is a sovereign ruler over all things, including us. How can you and I have peace? Again, God doesn't promise us an easy road. He certainly did not promise Mary an easy road. But we can have peace knowing that Jesus is the sovereign ruler. All those five truths we saw them boil down to that, that he is the king over all things, including our own lives. He is on his throne right now, ruling over all things and ruling over us. Now, how does that realistically give us peace? How do those five truths that boil down to Jesus as the sovereign ruler, how does that give you and I peace this Christmas season or whenever we walk down the hard roads, whether it's what Mary walked down or something different. Now, there's four implications of this I want us to see this morning of how we find peace from this truth. Number one, this truth means Jesus can and is holding us. That Jesus can and is holding us. We're talking about the one who is great in all things. Therefore, he has the power to do whatever he wants to do. He's the one who has all wisdom, and he's the one who said, I came to rescue you and I will hold you fast forever. I love the song we sing, He Will Hold Me Fast. And nothing can take us out of his grip. He is all-powerful. He is holding us. We see this in, in John's gospel, in John chapter 10, verse 28 and 29. I want you to see that up on the screen. There you go. He says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. Verse 29, he carries on. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hands. If we really believe that Jesus is the sovereign king ruling over all, that means he can keep his promises. We said nothing can stop his rule. And he says to all his believers, I am holding you. Nothing can take you out of my hands. What's the second thing that helps us find peace from that? That means nothing, number two, nothing can stop his plans for us. Nothing can stop his plans for us. Now, again, his plans for us may not be that we're going to be wealthy and have an easy, comfortable life, but whatever his plans are, nothing can stop his plans for us. He is the great one. Not even demons can stop his plans. He's a sovereign ruler. He speaks, it happens. He spoke, the world came into being. He upholds the universe today by the word of his power. Whatever he wants to do, he does. Nothing can stop it. And so in light of that, go to what Romans 8.28 says. It's a familiar text to us, but the promise is so sweet. We know that for those who love God, how many things? How many things? I mean the hard things too? Yeah, the hard things too. All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose, that God works all things for his purposes. Nothing can hinder the purposes of God for you and for me. He's holding us, and nothing can stop his plans for us. Number three, that means he redeems our hardships and trials. He redeems our hardships and trials. He's never promised an easy life, but those hardships we walk through are tools in the hands of a sovereign God who can take those hard things and bring good to us and glory to himself through it. It's a text we look at often, but James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4 remind us of this. In James 1, count it all joy, my brothers. We'll come to this theme next week, but count all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Now, that's as countercultural as it gets. Wait, life is going to be hard, when, not if, and you're to count it joy. Why? Verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. It's kind of the same concept we've been looking at all these things, the certainty that we'll have. In verse 4, and let steadfastness have its full effect so you can be perfect and complete lacking in nothing, that Jesus, because he's a sovereign king, can redeem even our trials to bring great good. Think about that. Think of the hardships Mary walked through. 
and the good that came to her, she found favor with God. And the good that came to the world because she's obedient to God. And the glory that came to God as she walked down that path. God redeems hardships and trials for our good and for his glory and for the good of others. And the fourth truth that comes from this ties into what we saw last week, friends. That God never promises an easy life. But if he's a sovereign ruler over all, number four, he gives grace for every circumstance. He gives grace for every circumstance. He doesn't promise us an easy life, but he pours his grace on us. And he gives grace to meet every need we face on that journey. We saw this last week, but let me just remind you, John 1, 16, that from his fullness, we have all received. If you're in Christ, you already have it. Grace upon grace, grace after grace, the wave of grace after wave of grace after wave of grace that crashes on you. He didn't promise Mary an easy road, but he loved her, and he gave her this, this assignment, and then he gave her grace upon grace upon grace to meet every need as she walked down that road. And friends, Whatever you're walking through, if you're in Christ, he already is giving you grace upon grace upon grace for whatever you're going to face along the way. We can have peace knowing that Jesus always is the sovereign ruler over all things, including us. Now, we've mentioned the song several times today, It Is Well With My Soul. We sang it right before the sermon, and I've referenced it several times, these lines of it. If you don't know the story, here's the backstory to that song because it has everything to do with what we're looking at today. The guy who wrote this story was an attorney and an investor in Chicago, and he had done really well and become very successful. But when the great Chicago fires hit in 1871, he lost everything. So his fortune literally burned up in front of him. At the same time, he lost his four-year-old son to a sickness. So here's a man who's just lost his business and one of his family members. So in the midst of the grieving and the trials, these were people who believed in God. He thought it'd be good to do a family vacation. So he and his family were going to go to England to try to just process everything that has happened. He got delayed, so he sent his family ahead of him on a ship, and he was going to meet up with them a few days later. And on the way to, to England, the ship with his wife and his daughters on it had, a, had an accident, had a, had a collision, and it sunk. And all four of his daughters drowned at sea. Only his wife survived. She telegrams him back, I only survived. He gets on a boat and goes to England to meet his grieving wife. As he's crossing the Atlantic Ocean there, the captain of the ship pulled him aside and said, this is where your daughters went down. As he processed that reality, having now lost all of his fortune in his business, lost one child already, now lost all four of his daughters, he sits down the boat and writes, whatever my lot that was taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and he has shed his own blood for my soul. Because how in the world can we have that perspective when everything falls apart in life? We can only have that perspective as we meditate on who Christ is and think about who Christ is and know that he is the sovereign ruler over all things, that he always has been, that he is now, and he always will be ruling over all things. And friends, that will give us peace. So my question for you this morning is very simple. Do you have peace today knowing that Jesus is on his throne Do you have peace today knowing that your life is not spinning out of control? It may not be going the way you have mapped out and planned, but do you have peace today knowing that Jesus is on his throne, that he's ruling and reigning over all things, including you? Do you have peace this morning knowing that God made you, that he loves you, that he's holding you, that he's growing you, that he's bringing good to you, that he's even redeeming the hardships to bring good to you, good to others, and glory to him? Friends, do you have peace today knowing that Jesus always is a sovereign ruler over all things, including you? Would you pray with me? Father, we are grateful that you've given us your word. We thank you that you've not left us in life trying to navigate our own and figuring out who you are. Thank you even for your grace gift of revealing to Mary who Jesus was and preserving these words for us that we could see 
this beautiful message of who our Savior is. And God, I pray that these truths about Jesus would sink into our heart and soul, that they would take root in our heart and soul. God, that we would really understand that Jesus came to seek and to save sinners, that we'd understand our own need for him. Help us understand that Jesus really is great and he's sovereign. He's ruling over all things. And would you fill our hearts with wonder that we get to have a relationship with you, the sovereign king, the ruler over all things. And Lord, as we walk through the hardships and the brokenness of this life, I pray you would give us a peace that can only come from you, a supernatural peace that we cannot manufacture, but that comes as the Holy Spirit fills us and produces in us a peace and reminds us of who Christ is, and we focus our mind on those truths. So, Lord, you know what each of these brothers and sisters is walking through. You know the trials they're facing, the difficulties they're facing, the hardships they've been through or still have to go through in this journey of life. So, Lord, in your grace to us, would you anchor us and root us in the character and nature of Christ that we might better understand who he is and find peace every step of the way. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As we close this morning, friends, we're going to sing the song, Solid Rock. And like we did with other songs, I pray that these would be actually words we can affirm and not just words we just say, but that we can actually mean what we say. When darkness seems to hide your face, I will rest on your unchanging grace. In every high and stormy veil, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ, a solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Friends, let's stand together and let's make this our prayer to the Lord to produce in us a confidence and a faith in Him, trusting that He gives us all we need. Chuck.
Before I close this in prayer, would you take just a minute where you're standing and pray to the Lord and ask him 
Is there any ground I'm trying to stand on this sinking? Then ask him for much grace. Find out your peace and your hope and your strength in him. Would you take a minute and pray that to him right now? of our hearts. How we think how prone to wander. Lord, we feel it. Or there's so many things we try to stand on at times besides you. So we ask for forgiveness for those times we tried to find our strength, our peace, our hope, our joy, anything apart from you. So we ask in your grace and through the work of your Holy Spirit, you would show us ways that each one of us are trying to stand on sinking ground instead of on the rock of Christ. Lord, we pray this week that you would all throughout this week, as we study your word, as we talk with one another, that your Holy Spirit will remind us all week long of who Christ is and his sovereign rule over all things. That would be our anchor and our hope and our peace and our joy all throughout this week. Lord, we cannot produce that, but you can. So fill us, Holy Spirit, that we might have this right perspective and find the peace and the hope we need this week ahead. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to read you a benediction over you as we leave. 2 Thessalonians 3.16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. God bless you, Gateway family. Have a great afternoon.